leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to this episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay. Anthony is uh, out of town this week, so he won't be joining us. But uh, don't worry, I've got a very special guest uh, tonight, and his name is Stephen Lowe. He is a, uh, a fellow graduate of the sports business classroom that both of us just took in Las Vegas during the Las Vegas Summer League. Stephen, first off, thank you so much for uh, taking the time, uh, but also uh, congratulations on uh, being a graduate of SBC. Apparently that makes, uh, we're two out of about 200 in the world that have that distinction. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, Garrett. Now, uh, of course... The, when I first met you, I found out uh, you're originally from Toronto, big Raptors fan, and the, uh, the, the big news in the NBA today, the biggest trade of the entire offseason took place in which the Toronto Raptors acquired the likes of Kawhi Leonard as well as Danny Green, and then the Spurs, in return for uh, trading away their superstar, uh, got DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, and a 2019 protected first-round pick. That pick is protected 1-20, to 20, and if it doesn't convert this year, I believe it becomes two seconds. Uh, so, Stephen, uh, my first question for you is, what was your uh, initial thought, what was your gut reaction to, uh, to the trade happening today? Uh, so my initial reaction is, oh my God, Kawhi Leonard's going to be a Raptor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. As you remember, we were in Las Vegas last weekend, uh, you know, it was, it was part of the buzz was that Kawhi Leonard to Toronto was heating up, and I don't think we can say that anybody really saw the likelihood as high. Right. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't see a deal happening. But the last couple of days, the buzz started picking up, and I started wrapping my head around the fact that you know there's an outside chance that uh, Masai Ujiri would be able to get this done. Um, and I think I was caught off guard. I was surprised when I heard the news, but, um, you know, losing DeMar DeRozan, who is, you know, franchise icon, face of the franchise, uh, is a tough loss, but getting Kawhi Leonard is, uh, is a huge get for the franchise who, you know, hasn't had this true bonafide top five player superstar, um, you know, maybe since the heyday of Vince Carter when he might not even crack uh, that top five status. So, um, yeah, it's an exciting time for Raptors fans, I'm sure. Now, uh, you mentioned DeMar DeRozan and how that's kind of a, a tough a tough loss for the fans. Obviously, he's been around. He's been loyal to the franchise. 
what do you what do you think of uh, of Demar's legacy as a as a Toronto Raptor now that uh, his days with uh, with Toronto are over? I, I think as it stands, he's probably the greatest Raptor of all time in terms of you know not just not not peak necessarily, but if you just look at the longevity, um, multiple time All Star, uh, franchise leading scorer has like it just multiple I think leads in games played just multiple Raptor records. Are, are held by him, so he's um, definitely high, going to leave in, in high standing. Uh, other players, you know, Chris Bosch stayed uh, for about seven years, I believe, and Vince Carter had a six-year stay, but this was a, a nine-year ten- tenor where uh, DeMar DeRozan came in and started as, you know, a raw, unheralded rookie and rose his way up to an all-NBA-level player, so you know, his legacy is going to be strong, and you know, I think that's what's creating a lot of these mixed emotions for a lot of Raptors fans. Right. Um, but I think that kind of have to divorce the feelings of, of that away from evaluating the trade is the way I look at it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the the other thing that I think people are overlooking a little bit is the Danny Green aspect of this trade. And, um, you know, you look at the salary situation, and DeRozan actually is making more than Kawhi Leonard for this upcoming season. Uh, DeRozan, I think, is penciled in around $26.54 million, and Leonard is a little over $20 million. So the fact that Toronto threw in DeRozan and then added, you know, Pirtle to the deal, that allowed them to also get Green as well. Uh, how do you feel about the addition of Green uh, to the to the Raptors rotation? I, I think it's a great fit. You know, he's 31 years old, so he, maybe he's a little bit over his prime, but, you know, he's another guy who come off, um, you know, not the knockdown shooter he was a couple years ago, but still, you know, a great three-point shooter, a strong defender, and, you know, hopefully will act as a, you know, veteran presence and a bridge between, you know, the team and Kawhi, uh, someone who knows Kawhi, because as we know, uh, the current reporting is Kawhi still has these mixed feelings about joining the franchise. Uh, hopefully, you know, Danny will be a familiar face that will help him. Uh, acclimate with the team, but um, on the court, I think he's a great fit. You know, he's another guy who can throw out there, switch, and defend multiple wings, defend point guards, and can, you know, shoot and space the floor, which is something the Raptors have sorely been lacking the last few playoffs. Right, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because, yeah, you look at sort of some of the, the Raptors' biggest weaknesses. One would be, you know, they lack that clear superstar level player, which, if Kawhi is healthy, they've gotten that in this trade. Uh, and then also the the lack of real three point shooting I think on the roster outside of like a CJ Miles and a Kyle Lowry uh, that was evident in the playoffs as well where they got a bunch of open looks and just couldn't knock them down. But you add two guys in Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green who have had previous forty percent three point shooting seasons. It seems like they uh, they fixed both of their biggest weaknesses with one trade. Yeah, no, it, it really does feel like you know they shored up. You know, these are two of the premier 3 and D players, and I don't even think you can really classify Kawhi as a 3 and D player anymore. <laughs> Those are two of the <laughs> aspects that are a part of his game, amongst many others, that make him a superstar. Yeah. Um, but that, that's what the Raptors are lacking, and, you know, um, the cost was was high in DeMar, but really the cost was lower than I was expecting. You know, I was expecting to have to part with one of the, one of the you know, young prospects such as uh, OG Anobi or Pascal Siakam, who um, I rate as 
that they were able to keep both of them, uh, while also, you know, taking on Danny Green, who only has a year left on his contract as well, as the, uh, the piece to balance the salaries. I think that that's a great get for the Raptors. Yeah, uh, you basically answered my next question. I was going to ask you in terms of the, the Jakob Pertl addition in that trade. Uh, yeah, it seems amazing that they were able to keep OG Ananobi because you'd think maybe for a like-for-like like swap with Kawhi, the Spurs would maybe really want a guy like him. But the fact that they were able to keep him as well, which he was really their main uh, you know, wing defender prior to this trade. Uh, but then as you mentioned, yes, you've also got uh, the, the Raptors have such a, a, a um, deep young core with DeLon Wright and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and Norman Powell. It's amazing that they didn't really have to throw in any other youngsters other than Pirtle. Right, no, and um, I think that, you know, Pirtle, I, I like him as a prospect. Uh, he's a, a good young center, has good hands and, um, you know, quick, quicker feet than you were, than you'd expect and has some decent athleticism. Um, I think that he's a good prospect, but I think the Raptors are really dealing from a position of strength there because, you know, they played most of the last half season with Ibaka at the four and Valanciunas at the five, and they're a little bit deep because they're playing that bench more with Siakam at the four and uh, Pirtle at the five, and then also having OG kind of shifting towards the four when they're playing smaller lineups. And I think that, you know, at this point in Ibaka's career, he's also a five. So I, I'd like to see them, you know, now be able to shift them down and potentially move Valanciunas to the bench, where you know a lot of these offensive-minded centers have been able to flourish a little bit more. And right. I think that that kind of opens up that opportunity for Valanciunas. Um, so uh, it, it's the, the loss isn't that great when you <laughs> when you're able to you know slot in a guy who's uh, experienced right into the role that Yakupero played for the Raptors last season. Well, and. Uh, speaking of sort of lineup variations that they could do now, do you imagine, you know, of course Nick Nurse is the new head coach for the Raptors, do you imagine he's going to go with uh, more of a big lineup like they featured a lot last year with Valanchunas and Ibaka together? Or, uh, you know, it seems like this trade has given them a little bit more flexibility to potentially go small where you might even start Ananobi at the four. Yeah, um, I think that starting Ananobi at the four is where they will eventually go. Um, I'm not too familiar with Nurse yet. You know, he hasn't really played his cards as much. He does sound like a big Valanciunas fan. Uh, okay. I don't see him starting Valanciunas and benching Ibaka. You know, just at this point in their careers, I feel like, you know, both of them are team guys and I think will take their role. Um, but I think that, you know, with Ibaka's status with the team and being with the large contract that he signed last year, I think that he'll end up being the guy who will retain the starting role. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. He, he seems like he's an experimental guy and he wants to try different lineup variations and this trade has kind of opened up a lot of opportunities for him to try different combinations, whether it's going big and sticking with Ibaka and Valanciunas, uh, or you know, going smaller and slotting in an OG on Anobi at the four, potentially even Pascal Siakam. Yeah, the uh, you know the obviously the current NBA it's it's becoming more and more about being able to switch across all five positions. You've seen you saw it in the Western Conference Finals with the Rockets and the Warriors. Of course, the Celtics were able to do it pretty effectively as well. 
you know, it, it seems like Toronto now has the ability to throw out some five-man lineups with an even Kyle Lowry, a point guard who's one of the stronger point guards in the NBA, with Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, and OG Ananobi, and then either Ibaka or a Siakam at center. You could switch everything with those sorts of lineups. Right. No, I think that's that's the exciting part of the trade when I started thinking about these lineup machinations. I think that, you know, that lineup you throw up with, with a Siakam at the five, like that could be a really dangerous lineup that can switch everything. Um, you kind of you kinda of hide Siakam's, you know, shooting that's developing but it's not quite there yet. You can put him in the dunker spot on offense and, you know, have him play that role and on defense, you know, you just have this lineup that can just switch around everything, and you don't have a player that you know teams would like to target in uh, in potential switches that really killed the Raptors uh, the past few off seasons. When you know deeper in the playoffs, teams such as Cleveland that um, they would just start really targeting Demar Derozan or C.J. Miles because the Raptors didn't really have the versatility to put out lineups that could switch everything. Yeah. Um, but now they do. So um, I think that that's really exciting to see you know, some of these possibilities that open up. Yeah, and you know the the other big strength for for the Raptors last season, of course, was the depth. And because this trade essentially was two players for two, you know, two players going out in uh, DeRozan and Pirtle, and two players coming in in Leonard and Green, uh, they didn't really even sacrifice their depth in this trade either. They've still got a really deep bench that should be extremely effective once again. No, I, I agree. I think that they're still going to be able to go 10. 11 deep during the season, which will you know, be good because we don't know what's the uh, status of Kawhi Leonard's health. So, you know, having that team that can go deep, I think that that's um, going to be really important for them. And, you know, I think that Nurse will find ways to stagger the lineup to try different combinations, you know, whether it's playing Fred Van Bleet with the uh, starters, which he's, uh, which was, you know, one of Casey's favorite closing lineups last season. Yeah. Um, or, you know, potentially phasing in DeLon Wright, who's another good defensive player uh, who can also switch around a lot. And, you know, just trying different lineup variations, which I think will be pretty exciting with, um, you know, if the team kind of stays you know, as currently constructed. Well, and, like, the, the fact that, yes, of course, DeRozan, you know, franchise legend, all-star caliber player, you know, may, has made all NBA teams... Uh, the, the interesting thing, like, looking at Toronto, and, you know, we've had the same discussion for multiple years now of, like, is what they've done in the regular season, is it real? You know, can it translate to the postseason? And to me, like, looking at, you know, some of the biggest culprits for why they struggled in the playoffs the last couple of years would be Dwayne Casey, who they got rid of, and now DeMar, and DeMar DeRozan from the player's perspective, because, again... He wasn't a very, you know, he wasn't a positive defensive player. He wasn't a real uh, threat from three. And honestly, like, you know, DeRozan is a better player than Danny Green just in general. But when you talk about fitting a role and playing a role in crucial playoff games, I think Danny Green might even be a better option than DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I can see that argument being made. Um, I think, you know, DeMar... DeMar's ability to you know, attract the double team and, you know, the, where it hurts his own effectiveness uh, could have been helpful for the team, and he was developing as a passer, but I think that 
you know, as much as DeMar improved every year, it was incremental, and you know, by the time it got to the playoffs, that they were able to focus so much on his weaknesses uh, that, you know, his strengths were able to be amplified. And a guy like Green, who's, you know, pretty even-keeled and knows and stays within his role, like, he's always going to have a role, I think, on playoff teams as long as he maintains his shooting ability and, you know, some athleticism to stay on the defensive end. Uh, he's just one of those valuable pieces that I think most contenders uh, would love to get their hands on. Yeah, and it seemed like Green was always undervalued in San Antonio for some reason. Pop would always leave him on the bench for good chunks of games, but he always seemed like, again, a guy that can knock down threes, and at the two spot, he's got great size at that shooting guard position to be able to defend multiple positions, so I really like that addition as well. Uh, But moving more towards kind of... uh, We'll talk briefly about what the Spurs got out of this deal. Uh, do you? I mean, this seems to me like a situation where uh, you've got like a, you know an older head coach in Greg Popovich that probably doesn't want to go through any sort of a rebuild. You've still got a Lamarcus Aldridge uh, on the team, and bringing in a guy like Demar Derozan seems to me like they're still just going to try to compete like they have done for the past you know two decades. Yeah, um, you know. We kind of, we've spoke about this, you know, during our week when, uh, about you know head coaches who also have uh, president slash GM duties, um, and how that could hurt some teams. But it's generally worked out well for the Spurs. Um, I think this could be a scenario where this is the first time where you know Popovich's short potential, you know, short tenure remaining as a head coach, um, wanting to keep a competitive team might have hurt the Spurs' return in the long run. Right. I mean, it's, it's hard to say without knowing whether, what else was available, but you know, I think DeMar is a guy who you, know, you plug in, he's going to score 20 points right away, and you know, he's shown to be a great regular season player, so I mean, I think the Spurs will still be a good team. I just don't know in the West you know, how, how competitive they really will be. Yeah, and it's... Uh, you know, it begs to question, like, it, like what other offers, obviously this is all going to be a what-if question, but what other offers they, they received, and it, it, it seems like for for how little they got in this deal, it's, it's amazing to me that, uh, you know, a team like a Boston or a Philadelphia, uh, war, those teams weren't willing uh, to, uh, to put in a little bit more to get this done and get, again, a guy, win healthy, who was arguably the second best player in the league. Oh no, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I'm surprised that you know these teams didn't you know part with a young piece of their collection of young pieces that you know would have enticed uh, San Antonio to you know move move Kawhi under that way. Um, you know, I, it's there's always the risk that he's going to leave, but I think that as Paul George has shown, uh, a year can make a big difference in recruiting a player. Right. Uh, so. The the next question in terms of Toronto, of course, they've uh, they've beaten everybody except for the Cavs with LeBron James the last couple of years. Uh, right. With Kawhi in the fold now, if he is healthy, where do you think this puts them in in terms of the upper echelon of Eastern Conference teams? You know, I, I think that you know, cons- assuming every team on board um, has full health. I think Boston is still, you know, slightly ahead of them at the top there. I think that, you know, their combination of depth, you know, with a healthy Kyrie and Gordon Hayward coming back, uh, expected progression of Tatum and Brown, um, 
there was news today that they're retaining Marcus Smart. Uh, still have Terry Rozier and, of course, Al Horford up front. Now, that team's still really deep, and, you know, they have playoff experience, and they have young guys getting better. I, think, I still would put them um, at the top of the conference. Um, and, you know, of course, being a legit contender. But I, I would put the Raptors right after that. I, I think that you know, I trust kind of the, the more veteran core, and, you know, assuming Kawhi is healthy and anywhere close to the MVP caliber player we've seen him be in years past. Uh, I, I would have them ranked ahead of Philadelphia just because you know, I think that the losses of Ersan Yosova and Marco Bellinelli uh, make that team a little bit sparse on shooting. And apparently uh, Nemanja Belica is no longer joining them. Right. That was, uh, that was another uh, big thing that's come out the last couple of days. He seemed like a perfect fit to replace Ilyasova. Now that might not be the case. Yeah, and apparently the news today is that he might sign with the Kings. <laughs> yeah. After sa- originally, didn't he? I believe he said that he uh, wanted to go back to Europe because uh, he's a former Euroleague MVP. But uh, what a, uh, a bait and switch if he ends up going to Sacramento. <laughs> he seems like he quietly pulled a DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> right. And, and hoping, like, in the midst of the quiet news that no one would notice. But <laughs> that was really strange. Yeah. That's interesting, though. You still you still have Boston, uh, you know, above Toronto. I uh, you know I would I would make the argument. I I almost think Toronto might be at the top of the East now. I mean, of course, uh, as you said, Boston is is loaded. They they have talent, especially at the wing position, and right. you know you've got Kyrie and Horford. Uh, but you know Kawhi Leonard's the again. If Kawhi Leonard is healthy, he's the best player in that series, and. Uh, you know, what Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, along with an Ananobi and the athletic bigs that they have in Ibaka and Siakam, uh, you know, they're going to be able to switch and do all of those things that Boston was so effective at last postseason that I I would not be shocked if uh, if Toronto uh, would get out of the Eastern Conference and make an NBA Finals appearance. I mean, that would be the best season in Raptors history. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be great. Um, I think that the thing with, with Boston is, you know, they have a few of these guys who are these great proven shot makers um, in terms of Kyrie and, you know, even uh, Jason Tatum, I think, is starting to show some signs of that. I wouldn't say he's proven, but, he, you know, he's shown flashes of that in the past playoffs. And... You know, like, these are guys who, no matter how great the defense is, sometimes, you know, the offense can just overcome that, and Kyrie's one of those guys that, you know, that's kind of instilled a little bit of fear in me, but I guess my question is, you know, if the Raptors can play a lineup uh, where the defense is strong enough that, you know, Kyrie Irving might be the worst defender on the floor, um, you know, there's a chance that they can exploit that with, you know, the current, you know, switching, ISO-heavy offense uh, that... It seems to be popular in the playoffs, um, so I think that that would be a really intriguing matchup. Well, and, and I think one of the other key factors in in that series, and we won't really know uh, until that series were were to come about, if it does, is you know both teams with their young cores. Uh, there's there's a lot of question marks in terms of who's going to make leaps in their you know second or even third seasons. Okay. You know, if a OG Ananobi or a Pascal Siakam make a big leap. Or, you know, you look at Boston and on the other side and say, would a, well, what if Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum make leaps as well? So, uh, you know, all of that uh, factors into uh, 
a potential playoff matchup as well. No, yeah, 100%. And, you know, and obviously health is going to be a huge factor. We, we just don't know what Gordon Hayward's going to look like, and you know, I guess we don't really know what Kawhi Leonard's going to look like either, but right. uh, this is the stuff that you know makes us excited in last season. Well, and uh, going back to the general manager, uh, Masai Ujiri, for the Raptors, you know, he when he first got there, you know, he had come off uh, a tenure in Denver where he had built like a 60-win team, but uh, couldn't get over the hump in terms of truly competing for championships. Comes to uh, comes to Toronto and kind of stumbles into a pretty successful team and has just kind of kept it there. And, you know, they've kind of been at that level where they're a really good, again, regular season team, but not quite at the level of, uh, you know, a true contender. But like what the Rockets did when they got James Harden and were able to eventually get Chris Paul, you know, if you're at that level, it only takes one potential trade to boost you into the the championship status. In terms of the the Toronto roster, uh, what other moves do you think uh, Masai could make? Uh, And is there any holes do you think that they they still have that uh, uh, for you to be convinced that they could get to a finals or compete for a championship? You know, I, I think that, you know, the roster right now is pretty balanced. But, you know, as Masai has shown, you know, he's, if there's a stars available, he'll he'll dig around and, you know, he's willing to part with anybody. Um, you know, obviously, it's a, there, there's guys, you know, who have potentially been rumored to be available, right? Guys like Kevin Love, guys like Jimmy Butler. I, I don't know if the Raptors can get to the conversation for those guys. Um you know that I think that you know with the news on Jimmy coming out that he's not signing the extension, uh, potential issues with Carl Towns, and then uh, last off season there was allegedly some interest between Kyle Lowry and Minnesota. I think that that's something that could be re-explored. And uh, you know, at this point, I wouldn't put anything past Masai Jury when it comes to uh, when it comes to his uh, star players. Um, the other thing to note is you know with this trade. The Raptors maintain a lot of their young stars, so I think, or not, not young stars, but there's one of their young prospects. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, if push came to shove, I could see, you know, another move being made similar uh, in vain to uh, OKC acquiring Carmelo Anthony to impress Paul George. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, obviously that didn't work out well for them, but, <laughs> uh, you know, something in that vein I could see. Um, Aside doing another move to try to you know impress uh, Kawhi Leonard in his camp to show that he's truly committed to building a team um, that Kawhi can see compete. Right, and that's what's so fascinating about all of the like the top three you mentioned: Boston, Philadelphia, and Toronto mm-hmm. in the East. Is they all have good teams right now, but they all have future assets. Of course, Philadelphia picking up the unprotected Miami Heat 2021 pick, which I heard recent news that maybe that won't be as valuable because now they're saying the one-and-done rule, which made that uh, is going to maybe go on even into 2022. Um, so, uh, But, you know, all three of those teams not only have a really uh, great core right now, but potential to, to get better, and that's going to make most likely even the rest of this offseason and the trade deadline uh, really fascinating this year. No, yeah, I agree, and, you know, there's, there's still a lot of, you know, factors to be at play, like, for, for myself as a Raptors fan, I'm still kind of holding bated breath with uh, Kawhi's news that he potentially doesn't want to be in Toronto, and, Yeah. Uh, 
threatening to sit out the season. Like uh, with the you know Vince Carter trade, you know over a decade ago, I still remember Alonzo Mourning not not reporting. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, like <laughs> there is precedent for it. I, I don't want to get too excited, but um, yeah, I mean there's still a lot of pieces that could be moved. Um, you know, I think one underrated aspect of this trade is you know the Spurs were in a situation where. Greg Popovich determined it untenable to bring Kawhi Leonard into camp. Um, you know, the Raptors aren't in that position. You know, they can wait it out a little bit longer. And if they see that there is no path forward to Kawhi, you know, whether it's performing this season or re-signing next season, you know, they still have that chip to trade. I would argue that they can get a higher return for Kawhi Leonard at the deadline. Um, if, that, if things don't work out, then they would have if they were to trade DeMar DeRozan. So I, I think that their downside is well, and not only that, but even if, uh, even in the event that he does just stay for the one season, they don't trade him, and then he leaves. You know, if they make a another conference finals appearance or a finals appearance, in large part because of him. You know, you talked about the Raptors without like a a great deal of success in their franchise history. Another terrific season, potentially making a finals appearance, might be worth it on its own. Right, and uh, you know. If the Raptors were not to make this trade, they would have had a zero percent shot <laughs> right. signing Kawhi Leonard next season, and you know they might have increased that to a five percent shot, right? Maybe even less. Um, but you know, a team like Toronto, which is you know, not necessarily a small market, but probably considered a less desirable NBA market, you know, less history in a different country. Um, I think that they have to make moves like this uh, to give themselves a chance, right? Um, because you know, free agents weren't going to sign here anyways, so I think that well, when it's a player, the caliber of Kawhi Leonard becomes available at you know the price that he ended up being available for. You know, they have to make the move, and you know that's why I think that um, when we look back at this trade, uh, I don't see you know the risk being that high, even though you know they had part with a player such as uh, Demar Derozan. Well, and it's also not very high because the draft pick is again protected one to twenty. So even in the event that Kawhi Leonard, say, for instance, doesn't come back, his quad injury continues to be a major problem, that might push them back to being one of the lower seeds in the playoff race, and they might still keep their first-round pick, and then they'd only have to trade two seconds. So it seems like it's uh, it's pretty much low-risk, very high-reward for uh, for the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, you know, I'm really surprised. <laughs> I'm really surprised on the protections of that pick. Yeah. I, I could see lottery protected, but top 20 protected is pretty good protection. Right, because that essentially, if they're even the sixth seed, they might be able to keep the pick. Right, and just to have it, you know, a one year uh, convert two seconds, that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. Right. Rapidly, uh, I would expect that the Spurs would have at least wanted to you know, get a pick, no, a first round pick no matter what. And, you know, there's a chance that uh, if it didn't convert this year, it would be a, a great pick next year if the Raptors chose to tear it down. So, you know, it still protects the Raptors to potentially rebuild in a year. Well, and, you know, again, going back to other teams that could have possibly made offers, you look at Boston, and even Boston right. offering their own first-round pick without protections might be, and with uh, you know, making it a first-round pick no matter what, and if it blends over to the next year or whatever, like, that pick is more valuable than what the Spurs got. Right, no, and, and I don't 
see why Boston was off of that. They have this treasure trove of, you know, draft picks that, you know, losing one just doesn't have that same amount of value. I mean, you can't bring over, like, three or four first round picks every year. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was surprising. And, I mean, you know, for a team like the Lakers, I, I can kind of understand, um, you know, if they think that there's a high chance that they can sign Kawhi Leonard next offseason, and, you know, not parting with the young guys is it's understandable, especially if they don't think they're going to compete this year anyways. Right. But for teams like Boston and Philly, like, do they think they're changing? Like, they can't really, there's no avenue to sign him. So, um, you know, I, I don't, under, don't fully understand why they wouldn't offer more assets. Well, yeah, the, the teams to me that would benefit most from a potential uh, Kawhi trade would be, as you mentioned, the Lakers in the event that, you know, it would pretty much confirm that he would re-sign the following year. But then the other uh, the other types of teams that you feel like it would work well for is the Boston and the Phillies that are maybe one piece away from truly competing for a championship. And in that case, getting a guy, even if it is for a single season... Uh, to me, is worth at least uh, you know what Toronto gave up, which is a young asset, a, a, a mediocre first round pick, and like an all star caliber player. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, Boston and Philly both could have offered uh, packages that uh, could have surpassed it. Right, and I guess the the question is, uh, you know, how much of an influence did uh, Greg Popovich needing a player in their prime right now? How much of a you know, how, how much of an effect did that have on this deal? Because if that's the case, then, you know, maybe Boston and Philly weren't willing to offer a player of DeMar DeRozan's caliber. Right. Um, or, or unwilling to, you know, find that player. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you, you never truly know exactly what uh, what the specifics are in these trades. And again, yeah, maybe San Antonio there, uh, a big part of any trade was that they wanted to continue to, to be a decent team, and DeRozan certainly helps that in the regular season. Uh, but uh, looking at uh, just Toronto as a city, I've I've never been to Toronto myself. Uh, but you know, it, it kind of gets a bad rap. It seems like in the NBA, uh, for one, because it's the only uh, NBA franchise located outside of the United States, uh, and because of that, there are a lot of reasons why they don't get a lot of national TV coverage because the the ratings aren't uh, aren't good for. For U.S. networks, because a lot of the viewership isn't, you know, is in Canada. Uh, but, uh, but I have heard from everybody that has visited Toronto that it is a lovely city, and uh, you know, perhaps uh, you know, Kawhi uh, maybe has some, for some reason, uh, a, a negative perception of that town. But once he gets there and lives there for a year, uh, you know, that stuff can change. Yeah, uh, I think that that's a that's a great point. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry has publicly said that when he was traded to the Raptors, that he saw it as a year to two-year, I think he had a two-year contract at that time, he saw it as a two-year pit stop, and he would, um, you know, he didn't plan on establishing any roots there because it'd be a pit stop, and, and he, he rented, and he decided, like, to not become too close with his teammates <laughs> at the time, because he saw it as a Sometimes these players just need to come to 
to the city, and you know, a lot of times that's that's all it takes for them to fall in love with it. And I'm sure that that could be true for a, a lot of NBA cities. Well, that's that's all I had uh, uh, for this episode, uh, Stephen. Again, I want to thank you so much, uh, so much for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. That uh, that will do it for this episode of Duncan Dynasty. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good night. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.